0: Action Park Media.
1: All right, welcome to Ramble On, the official podcast of Ted Foxman's unofficial Ramble On television show. <laughs> Home video. Uh, <laughs> lots of things happening in my life. I don't know about Really? Friends, What's been going on? Oh, we'll get into babies and we're going to have Paul Scheer a, a tremendous actor but really more importantly he's now a pickleball player which you know I like to I like to have the pickleball players on. I, Ted I has still not played his son is playing with Matt Manass now oh, and you have give me a break still not played I've been trying for 5 years but anyway we'll, we'll bring Paul on who was on I think one of uh, obviously everybody loves VEEP but but the league is one of those shows that I don't know know if you watched it Ted did you watch I, the league
2: I did not watch it really yeah
1: the league is is a really, really hilarious show. You should check that out. And I think you'll enjoy it. I know. I've heard good things. surprised you didn't get to that during the pandemic. Like yeah. busy with Love Island, I guess. I <laughs>
2: so, you watching White Lotus? I, I'm not. And the reason is Whoa. I was Sounds I was so angry about it. No, no, I, I'm not. It's not like a protest. Uh, <laughs> but I was very excited for the second season. The first season was obviously great. Um but then uh, I decided I wanted to wait for at least a few episodes so I could binge it. Yep. I didn't want to. I didn't want to wait week to week. Yeah. And then in the intervening time, I've heard many people say, "Oh, this is not good." Really? So The word is good, I mean, I think. Really? I yeah, I heard the word is yeah, good. I thought is... you told me it wasn't good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I well, I do not like it as much, nearly as much as, as the, first the first season. season. I, I think Mike White is one of the best writers in the world. Yeah. I think the first season was one of my favorite television shows of the last 10 years, probably. Yeah. This is... Still better than ninety nine point nine nine percent of the crap that I have been forced to sit through on television. <laughs> but I don't think it's as good. But of course, you got to watch it. I mean,
2: it's yeah. I, I'm am I'm gonna watch it. I just yeah. now it's it's now like four or five episodes in. So. I think
1: they've done five. Are you watching it, Paul? Before we really bring you in on this,
0: you know what? I have watched the first three episodes of it, so yeah. like I'm, I'm kind of in on it. But yeah, I have not. Uh, I didn't watch the first season though. Oh, I love first season Yeah, so much. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. God! Well, that's the one you got to watch. You
1: know, I did Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos, who I, I did a pilot with that HBO decided to pass on, which is insane. Um, and I mean that sincerely. I still want to air. I still want to put that on the internet. Oh yeah, Michael's know. on this. Season. I don't know if they'll sue me, but Michael Imperioli is is one of the best actors I was lucky enough to work with, even though it was only for a week.
0: So. His scene in the opening episode where he's on the phone with Laura Dern. Oh my God! It, Wait, that's Laura Dern. Yeah. How do you know that? Because Mike White, you know, did that show Enlightened. Which was genius. The first season of Enlightened was genius. And Laura Dern is his wife. You You don't ever see her. You just hear her. And it's just Michael reacting to his wife just Ripping him to shreds. It's it's an amazing. By
1: scene. the way, it was amazing because
2: uh, I wait. Was, why are they? It, the this season takes place in Europe, right? Italy. In Italy, right? So why why is he apart from his wife? Don't well, uh, that's part of the show. Gets explain the show. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I just I'm just you curious as to why season? a huge character like Laura Dern. As well, she actor. probably well, people can get divorced and yeah, they have different. Yeah, of their course. Friend, you know,
1: it's interesting that you now tell me it was it's Laura, now the voice. Of well, the it's minor. interesting that you say it was Laura Dern on the show. So now. I'm guessing she'll show up, but I have no idea. But obviously she's friends with Mike White and and did a favor. But it's interesting that you said that because, I, again, this show is so much better than almost anything on TV. But I, I'm not loving it like I love the first season. But that scene, yeah. I was watching like 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. And that scene, which is so hard to get emotion out of a person on a yeah. phone call.
0: Yeah. And both of them. I, you know what? I had no idea it was Laura Dern. I think he so. cast Laura Durham because he knew that – you needed someone to really carry it because she is driving it, and you don't see her at all. It's just her voice. Huh. It's By the so way, that's good.
1: Paul Shear. So I'm we're here. gonna
0: we're gonna get to him very short. Have you guys watched Tulsa King? No, but I have to. I am I I like it. It's it's interesting. I mean, it's it's very much what I think you want it to be. But it's you know Stallone running around you know Oklahoma just. <laughs> Not knowing what apps are, not knowing what Uber is, but then also beating the shit out of everybody.
1: I didn't even know it aired yet because <laughs> my my buddy uh, Dominic Lombardozzi, who played yeah. Dom on Entourage, yeah. is in it, and he's always phenomenal. So I will, I'll it's start fun. that. I don't know. I'm behind everything, and I got to see Tar. There's so much to do, but I don't know. I got stuff to. Oh yeah, Tar. Hometown. I've heard
2: good things about that as well. Yeah, Tar is supposed to be awesome. Todd Field I went to AFI with. So oh, um, did you?
1: I had a baby. I don't know if you can bring that up. Oh, or congratulations yeah. hey, or anything.
0: First thing I said to you when I came in been, was a congratulations
2: last week? Yeah, Paul, thank Anything you. Anything happening?
1: Yeah. Very kind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ted brought
2: bagels, but no, like, how's the baby? Yeah. You know that, so. We've been talking basically every day asking how's the baby. Yeah, How I, I really
0: can't talk. believe that you are here and you look as good as you look wow. a- after having a baby. Because I feel like I have two kids and that first, like, week and a half, Even with the second kid, you're like, oh, boy, like life is hitting you hard. And you've had a little bit of a break between your kids. So, I mean, he's had had an 18-year hiatus to (laughs) to catch things up on.
1: Um, uh, Look, I just posted this because uh, I'm embarrassed to say because people thank you for saying I look good because everyone on Instagram. You you look good. No, people keep DMing me how tired I look. And to be perfectly honest with you, look, this is a different, different uh, way than I did it the first time when I was scared I was going broke when uh, you know um, begging anyone who could help would help and I, I I A happened to have help and I happened to have Sarah's mother there and Sarah's a beast and I want Paul you're a New Yorker right? yeah yeah so a beast just so any of you PC people know that that's a compliment you know sometimes it could be a, yeah. a horrific term but but my my fiance is just a, a killer and. Um, even though I'm currently unemployed, she thinks it's important for me to get my sleep so I can hopefully make some money and, oh, uh, and get you know, the next 30 years going. So What a honestly, supportive partner she is. I, you know, I have my order ring, which, which clocks my scores. And honestly, the last four days, I've gotten the
2: best scores I've had in years. <laughs> so so well, you're actually busy during the you get, day? You're wearing yourself out? And I, you're like, I mean, oh, I've earned this rest. I'll tell you, I don't sleep till 8 o'clock Ever. Like six. No, no, o'clock. no. You're, you're five a.m. I'm getting text messages from. them. like, what's going on? <laughs> I'm like, what? What do you mean? I'm <laughs> sleeping. So the last two days, I wake up at eight a.m. I feel like a freaking zombie.
1: I have no reason to, by the way. And you know, I used to have my mother when when, when I started in this business. Yeah. You know, I have, uh, I have. I don't know if it's still okay to have a Jewish mother in the current climate that's going on in the fucking world. That's but it's anyway, the only one you could my, get. You know. But anyway, my, my my mother used to call me up when I was in L.A. at, at twenty two. What's going on? And I'd be like, I don't know, just tired. And she'd be like. What are you tired from? You yeah. know what I mean, <laughs> and and that's the feeling. But as as we know, I think Paul, yeah. maybe you can attest to this, or maybe you're one of those fucking people who who functions more properly than I do. But when you're in any type of creative modes, and and right now I'm uh, just so you know, Ted, I'll tell you, I wrote the third episode um, of the ramble on non-existent television show. But I mean... but. <laughs> um, I, my brain is going and going and going. And since this baby is born, even though it's not like 21 years ago, when I legitimately did not know how I would, I would be able to provide for these children. I am now in the same mode. It's not like I don't know how I'm going to provide for them now, but I kind of like, I keep waking up in this, in this future of like 15 years from now where all my money's gone. And like, everybody's (laughs) looking at me and going like, Man, oh, how'd you, yeah. how'd you blow that? Yeah. Like I'm on the streets and they're like, I think that homeless guy created entourage. You know what I mean?
2: And, 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 it, and it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a thought that that the guy who rang you up at Home
0: Depot as you were leaving. Yeah, no, it, it really, it Well, actually... look, I've had that nightmare now because, uh, who was the guest who came on a little while ago? He said that he went to film school with a guy who was out on the street panhandling for uh, money, right? Oh it was, yeah. yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Uh, Oh my god. Oh my god. I don't the two things I'll say. One, I'm Cena. I'll remember Rob. it. Yeah. Weiss? yeah. He, he said a, it right on Larchmont. There's a guy says, right in front he of him. He says, yeah.
2: like, his kid used to run up to him and be like, hey, what's up, man? Oh and they were God. interacting. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's, right, it's, it's possible. It I mean, is it's possible. Uh, first of all. It, but if that happens, move near Rob, because Rob gives that guy a lot of money. So, that, <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Weiss, do you hear that? You may have to
1: support me and my child. Uh, but those oh, things. Oh, hey,
2: Doug. But I mean get yourself ins- a cup of coffee.
1: But I mean that sincerely, and it is. And, and Paul, you have a, a wife who's also in the business. Yeah. Um. And and we still haven't introduced Paul, which we will, but I, I like that he's part of this. So yeah. I think it's nice. Yeah. But I I think that one of the things that's so tricky in this business because you're so unstructured. And once you have the child, you really start to feel it even more that I better fucking do something. Because first of all, I swear to you, these these are these are my thoughts. This is what used to happen. But I used to think when my kids' first, first children were born many moons ago. I used to think that I have to be working... When they're in high school, so that their friends don't go. What What's does your, your dad, dad do? You know, like if you ever saw City Slickers, yeah. remember City yeah, Slickers yeah. I sell air. Yeah, where Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal was actually yeah. like uh, Billy Crystal's <laughs> son, yeah. and uh, he has to go in, and he's basically like losing his job, and he's a fucking loser, and like you know, it, it's it's really when you see it through their eyes, you just you you want to make them proud. Of
0: course, they yeah. want to make you proud, but you want to make your kids proud. So well, I'll- I also think L.A. is the best place to be. To not have a job because everyone seems to be wor- like, working on something at all times. I think kids are more used to it. Like back where I grew up in Long Island, like. Oh, yeah. If like, your dad you were- didn't work. Yeah, it would be a thing. You know, I had a friend whose dad was he always was telling us he was legally blind. And I found out that he was just in the mafia. That's why he didn't work. <laughs> uh, so that was uh, <laughs> He's why like, yeah, my see. dad doesn't work. He's legally blind. It's like, well, he- Seems to be fine. He drives a car. He's like, Yeah, but that's why he doesn't have a job. Where anymore. where did you grow up again? I grew Shiro, up in a, who we no, I I grew up in a couple different spots. Uh central Islip, Huntington, I worked in Syosset. Like I kind of moved around a lot. Yeah. A so yeah.
1: I I mean, I grew up with with tons of mobsters. We've talked about Rob Weiss's film amongst friends, but yeah. that was basically what I grew up good fellas as well. I mean, my next door neighbor. My first girlfriend's father. I mean, they they were they were both killed by Sammy the Bull, and uh, wow. <laughs> they're they're both gone. But, Have you guys uh, seen
0: Crimes and uh, was it uh, Crime and Penalties? That uh, Untold documentary about no. the yeah yeah. Oh, the, you're talking about the hockey team, yeah, the hockey team. Oh, you talking about the Thrashers, yeah, yeah, minor league. Hockey. I
1: loved that yeah, doc. Was yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, that was awesome. So, but you know, I, I mean, I I do feel and uh, our trajectory, it, it's so similar to Entourage, and and 21 years ago, so it's like, let's see, no, 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 more than that. Two, Jesus. 2001, 2000, my son's born in 2001, who played uh, Ari's son on the show, and, uh, Lev, my producing partner, manager, friend from college, you know, he read the first draft of Anthourage. He came over, I was sitting there with my my infant in my hands, and he literally, who, by the way, had never done anything in television. <laughs> Nothing zero zip. He took the script, he crumpled it up, and he threw it at me. And um, now 70% of that fucking script is in the finished pilot that we actually did, but whatever his... his um, uh, problems with the script and his horrific bedside manner. I just remember sitting with my son going like, I'm going to really have to figure something else out because this, yeah, this, this, business, yeah, this business is not going to be yeah. what I'm going to be a part of. You know what I mean? So, um, and then it's probably two years from that point till we actually filmed the pilot of Entourage. So we're still way ahead with Ramble on. Um, the only difference is, is that, you know, HBO owned that project and this one, Ted Foxman
0: owns. So um, it's really up to you with this. Well, point. Ted, are you going to start your own streaming? Network well, I'm laying but- less people off <laughs> and uh, there's less chaos at my offices. <laughs> you have more time to, you know, devote to Emmy campaigns. You know, yeah, that's right. Man Man. All of it. Um, you know, it's interesting though. I think with kids, the thing I've noticed is you have to be more focused. You can't mess around because you have time. Like I want to be, I have to get up at a certain time. I have to go to, you know, get my kids out the door. So I have my work time much more carved out, which I think actually makes me more productive. It took me a bit to kind of get on that track. You're structured. You're one of those guys. You're like a Stephen King type of guy.
1: I'm a, (laughs) I'm a ADD procrastinating disaster. I always have been.
0: Well, you know, I think it's like, it's hard to find that space, but I've seen on your Instagram, you have a nice space. You have a, you have a room where you write and like, you've got three uh, scripts out there so far. Are you happy with where it's going at this point? I mean,
1: Yeah. I, I look, I love it. And, and I know, you know, I'm the, last-minute guy. Right. I always am. So this is different because I'm kind of just doing it on my own and, yeah. and part of you, which is always the case with writers, is like, what What am, am I wasting my time here? Why am right. I doing this? So yeah. um, it, it, it's... It's that but the truth is and I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. You should and again, I'm lucky. I have enough money to I can I can probably short of something happening, I can die where I can pay for my own funeral. So I'm I'm alive and, and That's it. Well, that's go, the no, goal. No, no I go, don't no go fund me for his I don't his need box. any money for
2: my funeral. But, All right, there you go. But is for, that the standard of when you know you've made it, you can pay for your own
0: funeral? For writers to really <laughs> want to succeed in this business. Uh, you, I always tell people like if you want to be a writer keep the job that you're in because you can write on the side and then to give up everything like that seems like to quit your job and be like i'm just gonna go write my screenplay that seems daunted because to sell it and get it out the door is that's
1: I well i look at it the opposite okay. and i don't think but again <laughs> look at me i'm unemployed so <laughs> you know i don't think you go into this business part-time if okay. you want to. And I was obsessive when I was 22 to 27. I was obsessive. I am going to figure this out. I'm going to make this happen. I, I don't have that type of drive anymore. Again, I had I've always been a fear based person. I get motivated by fear. And when I used to legitimately think I would not be able to feed my kids that puts a lot of fear
0: into you. So, so is this kid just to get a little bit more motivation a going little bit. exactly? Yeah. yeah, that was the <laughs> was only saying, purpose of it. I mean. <laughs> he told Sarah, he's like, listen, I'm only doing this, so I have a little <laughs> bit of fire
2: breathing down my neck. Yeah,
1: but so far, you know, it's, it's embarrassing to say. It's been... Uh, it's been a smooth ride. She has allowed me to go upstairs into my office where I do have a great yeah. space where I do procrastinate and walk around in fucking circles and yep. watch soccer and everything else that's going on, which we're missing the <laughs> soccer match. By we
2: are. Right we're, we're doing this right now. In the yeah, but little, I can uh, pretty much guess it's one.
1: probably nil-nil because nil, every game I watch is nil-nil. All
2: draws. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, all right. Paul Shear, let's yes. welcome him on. Actor, comedian, Officially. podcaster,
0: yeah, yeah. and and... A maker of an independent pilot, from what I'm told. Yeah, well, it's been interesting. So I've been a fan of this show. Obviously, I was listening to the Victory podcast. And then when I was back in the day before Ted, before Ted was here, like, and, and I've been kind of following it. And I've been excited about it because I did something very similar back in the day. Not back in the day, like four or five <laughs> years ago, uh, where we made an independent pilot. And... We thought, like, this is a good way to do it. You don't have to worry about getting notes. You can just make what you want to make. And we got to bring it to Sundance, and we screened it at Sundance, and we screened it. We had a pilot that was probably, like, uh, $300,000, and it got screened next to an hour-long pilot that was $13 million. <laughs> uh, that was a Hulu show that I guess they did pick up, and then he wanted to screen it. And They did pick it up. They didn't. No, it was, like, basically, like, Hulu financed the pilot, and then they never picked it up. So then they were like, well, we'll we'll bring it to Sundance and see if there are any buyers at Sundance to do it. So it was $300,000 pilot next to a $13 million pilot, which is a little daunting. But I think we actually screened really good and we got like these great reviews and write-ups. But we never ended up selling the show and it had great people attached to it. It's a great uh, story, y- Paul.
1: Thanks. Uh, thanks for coming. But-, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, <laughs> but, it's, but it's been interesting because I think it's part of what the problem is in this world is that the TV executives that we that you deal with they want to get their fingerprints oh, on yeah. stuff and that's in that and so what you're saying to them is I'm going to go outside the system. I have a friend uh, Michael Showalter when he helped produce Search Party and they did it the same way. They independently produced it then they brought it and then they were able to go make that show for three or four seasons whatever they did there. And like and it's a constant battle though because you have to You have to basically make somebody go, we're going to give you $14 million right up. Like they're just, they don't get the deal. Or like, I mean, just to, to buy the whole season. You have to go right into production. There's no like, oh, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to test it. We're going to screen it. It's like, and I think that part of this process, it's weird that people need to fall in love with it at the network level on some level. You know, it's like, well, I brought it to you. Here's an, here's a log line. Here's a script here's the shooting script. Well, they want their piece in it. I
1: mean, they get to go home and say, "Uh, that was my idea to put that in there. And, uh, you know, we've definitely, again, we haven't had anybody see it (laughs) at the streaming level, but we have heard from the agents, you know, some people do not want to finish pilot. They want to develop it.
0: My question is, would you ever, like, just cut it as a sizzle and not present it as a finished pilot? Just say, hey, we we kind of just shot an idea of what it would look like, and here's a script. Could you do that?
1: I mean, we could, but I, I again, in my humble opinion, I think it's too good for me to do that. Yeah. And I think that we'll, you know, have to figure out a way to put it out if one of the streamers doesn't want to do it. And again, our cast is, in my opinion, so high-end, and, and our production, yeah. and, you know... It, looks like a 13 million dollar show
0: to me but I, I don't know well I mean you get fr- I mean you must get frustrated on some level though too because it's like you've done this you've done it successfully yeah. you know and the people I was working with when I did that pilot like we you know different people came in from different levels you know and but you are coming in as somebody who has you know you're nominated for things do you feel like is there an anger there that you have just like just trust me I got this because you you are in the zeitgeist you're always kind of there you know what's going on in the world I feel like the pilot, is great and you are kind of touching everything that's kind of hot now. And in a weird, in a weird way it should be picked up now. So when it gets on the air in a year, everyone will be in that same kind of space.
1: You know what? I've never been the type that's like, I deserve this because I did that. Right. Um, I believe I get it. Everybody's got their jobs to do and they want to make sure that they have something that works. And if my name was so valuable right now because I had just done something hot, right. that's when they that's when they put you on and they go from the creator of White Lotus, from the this or that. So right now, I don't have that. So the pilot has to stand on its own. So I don't have anger about that. What I what I have anger about is, and it's never been different. Not when I was nominated for Emmys and Golden Globes. These representatives are such shitheads and they waste so much fucking yeah. time with nonsense that I I don't understand the purpose why. I mean, we have the biggest manager in the business. Our phone call, I can sell this in 5 seconds. I'm a fucking bigwig, blah 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 blah. And then he he literally vanishes. Now, I didn't chase him down. He called me, saw the pilot and and wanted to do that. And then I get from my own old agent. I didn't expect to like this he tells me. Okay. I didn't expect to like it. Now, I don't care, again, because that's irrelevant. Right. He did like it. He says he loved it. And then, again, it's like missing out of action for
0: a week for this. So Well, forget about anything until after the New Year right now. I mean, right? Everything after Thanksgiving, yeah. you're done. Well,
1: now now, we know that. And for real, with all the bullshit of stalls and this and that, yeah. after New Year's, this is going to the streamers one way or the other. Um, part of me, I guess— insecurity is like you want to have that Ari guy who makes the phone call and sets it up but the truth is it really doesn't fucking matter they're going to see the show they're going to hear what the future of the show is and they're going to make the decision or not so we're still we're negotiating right now with a big production company and whether we go with them or not, I guess we'll figure out in the next week or so. But I don't have anger about anything except for how much time gets wasted by people. That's that's what kills me, even though I waste a lot of time myself. Right. And you know, once you go into production, then, okay, Now it's like But it's a lot of
0: waiting just to get an answer to say, oh, well, we got to wait another week before we can give you another week to tell you to wait. for
1: That's what frustrates me. And, and, you know, part of what I say about having a new baby and and part of what I talk about of if you want to get into this business, it is such, there's so much time that's wasted for even the most successful people in this business. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's frustrating. And part of me goes, you were talking about being on Long Island with one of those jobs. Sometimes I'm like, Maybe I go back and do that with this new kid. You know, like, go...
0: What would I'm, be your ideal job? Like, if you could do any job... like, I mean, I know that entertainment is where you you are, but what would be your ideal job, you think?
1: Well, this is probably my ideal job. Okay. Like, if I could sit in my house in Long Island... I, I loved where I grew up. Right. E- even though, like... For real, there were, you know, I, I mean, my friend that I, I saw at the 30-year reunion is in jail for six murders, and, you know, and, and you so know. So he did it after the reunion? At the reunion, I walked up to him, and I have a great picture of, of us at the reunion, 30-year reunion, maybe it was 25, and I said, you're not going to cause any trouble tonight, are yeah. right? you? He goes, come on, Doug, I've changed, and then he was arrested for six murders, like, <laughs>
2: He's doing he's doing life. I've and changed. I don't mess around at reunions he anymore. You changed after now that six murder, people. yeah. <laughs> but
1: I grew up with the Wolf of Wall Streets to the guys who've built right. billion dollar tech companies. It was a really an awesome mishmash of characters. Yeah. And I always wanted my kids to grow up in that. I had 20, 20 to thirty kids that I could play sports with right on my street yeah. every single day. So part of me you go what's the best job if it was a regular job outside of the entertainment yeah. industry? I can't say what that would pizza, be. Pizza parlor. Pizza I would love to own a pizza place, but that's it's hard work, <laughs> man. I mean, I was I'm trying to get the Courage Bagels guy, Chris, to open up in La Quinta and he, you know, when I talked to him about I, I, yeah. have you gone to Courage? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, it's right I, by my house. It, it's so good. You know, it's that's work that becomes like 24 hours a day, yeah. you're up at four o'clock in the morning. So I can't say what my perfect job is, but I just kind of wished I had a little structure right now. Right. I just wish I had a little. And I, you know,
0: well, I, it's hard to write what you're doing right now. You're writing three episodes of a show that you've already done, and this is for you, it's for the prospective buyers, but. It's I understand it's like a hard thing. It's like there's no deadline like hanging over your head yeah. at this point.
1: Yeah, and no one's paying me, which right. is weird. You know? Would you ever
0: write a novel? Is that something that you would ever do? Like would you go into that? Like, Quentin Tarantino now has been doing more of that kind of stuff. Would you ever do that? I'm not smart enough,
1: you know. <laughs> people have always read my scripts and like I'm not an action line guy. I'm right. such a dialogue-driven yeah, yeah. guy. So you know, my my first my manager who's producing partner on this show, he used to say, You gotta you gotta work on these action lines, and I'd say why I'm gonna make this. I right. know what it looks like. I know what the scene will be. I know what the location looks like. But very important to focus on that too. But I'm not. I'm not good no, with okay. the. Uh, you know. How about you? Would you ever write a novel?
0: I. You know, I'm actually in the middle of writing my book, but that's not not like a novel. It's not like a real like. You know, I'm writing about a bunch of essays, uh, which has been great and a totally different thing. But part of the reason why I was doing the book was because again, it's what can you control in this business, like, what are things that you can work on that feel like, oh, this is going to have an end that I can maybe see something tangible? Because I think there's so many scripts that we've all done, we have, and pilots and shows that you've been attaching, there's just no... Not fairness to it, but it's random yeah. whether or not what works or what doesn't work. Yeah, well, you
1: know? and also it's not even what works or what doesn't work because we know how many shows barely got on yeah. the air, including Entourage, Seinfeld, um, that then become you know enormous yeah. successes, and how many are out there that never saw the light of day. So and now, Paul, you were you're at like the forefront of podcasting. I mean, you started a podcast yeah. twelve years ago,
0: twelve years ago when people were like, "Well, what's a podcast?" And you know, we were like, "Well, just come on, it's like the radio. Well, how can I get on my phone?" Yeah, so we started. <laughs> Doing this show called "How Did This Get Made?" with uh, Jason Manzukis and my wife uh, June Diane Raphael, and we didn't have any. We didn't know. It just seemed fun. Like I, I grew up listening to Howard Stern, loving like listening to that kind of community, and I was like, oh, I just want to do that. That'd be so much fun. So that's how it kind of started. and Now, twelve years later, we've just so been able to do it.
1: Really? How were you getting it out twelve years ago?
0: It was. There were. There was a podcast app on Apple that no one. You had no to download knew. it separately. It was not part of the package of you know the apps and. You know, you could listen to it online, you know, it was, there were ways, it was like Mark Marin was doing it, uh, a handful of people were doing it, but it wasn't a big deal. Chris Hardwick at that point. Uh, and, then, and then it just started to explode, but we weren't making any money. The thought, commercials, anything, all that sort of stuff didn't seem like it was a real thing. It was like, oh, we had a beautiful studio. We could go in there and just record. And well, that's fun. the thing.
1: You just love doing it. Yeah. And I think that's when you find that stuff in this business, like, you know, how much Ted loved the production and and myself yeah. as well. Because I, I I love production. I'm not a big yeah. fan of the writing process, unfortunately, yeah. even though that's the key to my my life. Um, but this is just, it's fun. Like,
0: well, but this is interesting because I've heard you talk about this because, like, it is, like, when you're on the set, it's so much fun. You're actually doing, you're doing something, you're there, but now you don't want to direct something that's not your own words. So, but you, so, it's, so you have to have the really... The right sandwich to kind of sit down there. It's I like...
1: have got so many obstacles to that my brain <laughs> creates to cause me problems rather than, you know, I just, it's not even that I don't want to direct things that aren't my own words, like I'm some control freak. Yeah. I just, I'm not that kind of director, you know. Okay. I just, I see what I write, and I don't necessarily see what someone else writes, and I don't want to try to interpret it, and I am, you know.
0: How are you running a room? Like when you're on Entourage? like did you did it all I'm the go worst. Through? Yeah. I'm the worst?
1: I mean I'm not the worst room runner in the history of the world. And I do believe Ted will will attest to this, and so will everyone else in my production. I'm such a fantastic showrunner on all other levels, but a room runner, I'm, yeah. I'm a nightmare because I don't know how to I don't know how to get out what I want from other people. And right. I've had some incredibly talented people that have been in the room with me that I'm sure felt that I was I was not. Great, and it's not that I'm not collaborative, but I just, I sometimes, it's easier for me to just sit down and write it than try to either explain it or fix somebody else's script. And I don't even mean fix to make it work for myself. Yeah, you
0: need it to be what you see in your head. So, I mean, in a weird way, like writing these three scripts and maybe a fourth or whatever, you are in this zone where you are able to, (laughs) it's like to really have that full control then in a weird way. It
1: is a control thing probably, but it's not on the set. I'm so, And, and by the way, it's not in the script too. Ted knows. As soon as I'm done with the script, I love anyone who's got input, anyone who's got ideas I'm good with. But that beginning process of sitting in the room Breaking stories for whatever reason, my brain doesn't work well with that. I'm better at just sitting down and typing. And right. You know, as a writer, sometimes just magic happens. Yeah. And, you know, and I always say to writers, just fucking write. And I and I know they go, what? Like I do not believe in writer's block. I believe right. in laziness and I believe in distractions. But once you sit down and start typing, for me, something comes out. And and usually, a lot of the scripts for Entourage, I would type. 15 pages, and I would come in and I would hand it out to everybody. Right. And sometimes I'd go, you finish it. You come up with that or you change whatever you want. Um, but that was the easiest way it was for me to work, which is not a good room system. And that's why even for this show, I'm not going to have a big room. I mean, right. I have no interest in that whatsoever so i'll either write most of them or have a couple of
0: couple of people yeah you could kind of just like them have them like kind of add to what you were doing yeah because i feel like the thing that's so interesting about the pilot so funny the uh, like but you really the dialogue is it just it feels so natural and i feel like that's the real like what you're able to do is capture that so like on set how like when you're directing that because I, I think on the like the, the BTS of it, like like they're saying like, Oh, I want you to do it like this, you're telling Charlie to do it like this. But it's like you see or you hear a certain version of Charlie that he may not be able to, to yeah. see himself. Yeah. And then how is that like directing someone as themselves? I mean
1: You know what? I mean, it was great with Charlie because you you know, obviously with Dylan and Connolly, I have a shorthand yeah. of, of eight years. And, and even those guys, they, they got to the place at times where they're like, just give me the fucking line rating. Because yeah. actors often despise that. And Charlie, I was very careful because, I mean, look, the guy's one of the great yeah. comic actors of all time. But sometimes I would say, look, I just hear me out in this rhythm. Yeah. If you don't like it, Great. But it, it worked very well for us. And Charlie, you know, from day one of the script, sat with the script. I mean, I, our first week, Ted, me, Kevin, and Charlie sat down. And and anything that he didn't feel felt smooth in his voice, we changed it. So it's very collaborative in that sense. But like you say, I do hear every sentence the way I think it should be said. But there's always room for interpretations, you know? So. And
0: how's this relationship working out between the two of you? Because T- Ted, I mean, like, obviously you guys are podcast I'm exhausted. hosts. exhausted. <laughs> but I mean, like, getting into this is like, this is like, because in a weird way, like, Ted is, have you ever worked with somebody this closely? Obviously not just on the money front, but the like creative front, because like you're sending Ted stuff later. Yeah. Like, have you read all these other scripts so far? Uh, I just found out eight minutes ago that he had
2: done this last one. Well, you read the first um, two. The first two I did. Yeah.
1: I yeah. mean, um... I often have a group of people that I send scripts to, right. and I listen to them carefully, Rob Weiss being one of them. Um, but this relationship, which at the beginning was terrifying because he's putting up the money, and I have no idea what his sensibilities are going right. to be. And more importantly, I have no idea what it's going to be like when he reads a script. He, right. you know, um, We talked about this on a, on a couple of a couple of podcasts ago, but one of the biggest screenwriters in the business at the time who wrote a sh- movie called Consenting Adults had read um, a 15-page short film that I did for AFI. And he wrote like a 20-page letter about how horrible this thing was. Now I was 22 years old. Right. And my producer was friends <laughs> it was longer with than guy. the script. <laughs> it was much longer than the script. <laughs> and he wrote this entire thing talking about how awful this was and blah, 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 blah. And I, I, I didn't have the confidence to go...
2: I'll oh, shut up. You, Yeah,
1: <laughs> I was just like, "Holy shit, maybe he's right. This guy's a real writer, yeah. whatever." But anyway, we made the film, which was a short film. I did at AFI. Uh, David Schwimmer was in it, and some other people. And he saw it after and wrote an apology that he just read the tone all he didn't wrong. Get it. Right? It's, it's not that he didn't get it. He just
0: had it's his hard. own. It's hard to get tone sometimes, or to to see. Because you can go in there and start reading somebody else's script in a different way, and it will set off all the jokes. Like, I, there's a, a great script that I read that if you don't read it knowing it's a like a comedy, it's You're like, right. but it's driving hard into this one direction. It just seems like, well, this is totally off. Like uh, sensibility-wise, it doesn't feel like this is gonna work in the marketplace. But it's like, no, you have to understand it, and that's and it's almost like you need to write a letter before the scripting. Like this is what I envision it yeah. to be like.
1: But it's also the same thing you were just saying. It's like I see these lines, yeah, and and sometimes someone will read them and they don't get it, and then I say it and they get it, and right. I and and it's just it's a tough thing. But for writers, you have to obviously until you get to a place where you can make stuff, you have to. Uh, get it on the page, but this relationship, I was terrified. What the fuck is this going to be like? He's putting up the money. I, I, how much do I have to listen to and this and that? But we, fortunately, seem to be on the same page. I think he realized early on that I'm not precious about a single word. Yeah, um, and he's got, you know, he's got his 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 own creative contributions in that script. You know, as does most of the people who worked on.
0: Now, I see, as a longtime listener of the show, though, I don't understand how you guys met. Like, how did you go, like, I want to do this? Like, as a producer. I I mean, I I came
2: out here from Chicago uh, almost seven years, six and a half years Mm -hmm. ago. I came out here always wanting to do it. Okay. Like, that's, like, for me, that was the reason why. I mean, the weather obviously is better than Chicago, but I always wanted to get in entertainment. I had been trying different things in different avenues over the last few years. Not like I'm working on it every day, just, you know, yeah, organically meeting people, networking, diving in. I had a couple of experiences that were kind of nightmarish um, because I wasn't like those other people. Um, Doug and I are very similar in the way, from a work ethic perspective. We we like to do nothing, right? Uh, but <laughs> but when we decide we're going to do something, then we're right. going to do it. Uh, I, I had a I had a relationship with some people. I won't name who they are. Very, a- very, very, very accomplished writers. Sure. I mean, like like the lead writer on some of the biggest shows in television. Got it. And we partnered up, and in the first two weeks, nothing that they said they were going to do happened. Everything I said I was going to do happened. Right. And I went, oh, God, this is a nightmare. And we got out, luckily, because um, I made it. I was probably hard enough for them that they were like, oh, forget it. Yeah. We're just gonna we're just gonna end it. And I was fine with it ending. Doug and I are are different in that way because we when we see something, we don't like we don't like a lot of I don't I don't mean to, to portray the business in that way, but we don't like a lot of the stuff that happens in the business, which is why we did this. This is much more of an entrepreneurial effort. And that's that's my roots. So Doug's a writer, but it's you don't realize it when you're in that position and and probably your position as well you're you are an entrepreneur when you decide you're not going to go take a regular paycheck and you're going to focus on something that you don't know what the outcome is that's what a that's the definition of an entrepreneur it doesn't matter what you're selling it doesn't matter that it's a script or a show or a radio or whatever you're going to you're going to end up doing taking that risk and doing that together and that's for me that it was attractive but i also like making not just entertaining i've always been like I like I like throwing parties I like I like entertaining people. I like making sure people have a good time like right. I like playing host and there's nothing better in my opinion when you're doing that and people can sit down. How big of a role does does TV and entertainment play in our lives? Yeah. like my family was just in visiting for Thanksgiving last week, right What did we do all week that we could all do together from the 77 year olds in the room and to the to the 12 year olds in the room We sat down and watched movies and TV shows. That's what we did. Yeah. And that stuff's important in it and it it's some of the glue that binds our culture certainly and what we do with our days and to be able to make money doing that is a for me is a
0: well it's, it's interesting huge op- opportunity. Obviously like you know you guys are doing it on a different level than what I did it on. But I've been doing this kind of stuff in the past I created a handful of shows and I had this deal at one point when Kevin Riley was over at Fox, we made these like sizzles. We basically made people would write scripts and we'd shoot like a sizzle reel of it. But we tried to shoot the whole episode if we could and try to sell these shows to show people like what we envision. Because I think part of this thing is when you're a writer, director, producer, you want to show somebody what your vision is because you want to avoid these issues that you talked about with not getting the tone, not getting the thing right. And I think that even if the things that didn't go, none of them were... A loss as far as the experience, because the experience is amazing. You get to work with great people. Things lead to other things and different projects. So it's a it's a real catch twenty two because you're you create something, then you put it into this business that I think is just made to make you wait around, yeah. made to make you just sit there and. And even though as you can only do so much, you can only get to a certain point with this unless you figure out a way to get it out there fully, you know, which it could be happen too. you know,
2: you know but you're, you're bringing up a good point. And for me, I, I actually didn't realize this because I came out here with the idea that I was going to do this, something in this business and do well in it. Yeah. Um, and through this process, I've actually learned to enjoy the process of something. You got it. You. I to, yeah. never, I, by the way, I never had that. My whole entire life, I've never, in forty-eight years I've never had a. I'm really loving this. I, I was always waiting for the outcome.
0: Yeah, it's it's sometimes the doing. I mean, so now Doug, you've been in this for a long time, like with like the Michael Imperioli thing. Like, did you enjoy that, or you look back at that and like, fuck? Like, is it like, where do you do you carry uh, that? Like, yeah.
1: Oh, it was great. I, that that I have a lot of anger about, you know, because mm-hmm. HBO, you know. Chris Albrecht was the guy that really championed Entourage, yeah. and and the people that came in after him, I don't think they cared about Entourage or liked it, but um, that show is better than most of the half hours that followed it on HBO, and right. the shit that they put on after that was, of course it was aggravating, and to not give me that chance there with Michael Imperioli, Eddie Burns, uh, Michael Rappaport, but it was it's an excellent pilot, and still holds up seven years later. So that... I have some anger about it. And that kind of put me in a in a mindset of the business, like, God, I just, you know, I don't care because the grind of working with people that I don't respect their thoughts or their opinions was was tough, <laughs> yeah. you know? And um, that's why this process and why I can do the process when, and I've, I've been lucky enough in the limited things that I've done. The first independent film I did, which was less than $100,000 budget, I had essentially creative freedom provided I worked within the confines of what the story right. was that was given to me and the budget that we had the same with a movie I did called kissing a fool, um, which people have heard about on this podcast before, but I was lucky enough that the producers, you know, yeah. uh, Andrew Foreman, Todd they, they pretty much gave me creative freedom as long as I used the storyline and, and kept within right. budget and entourage after it got going, I almost had complete creative freedom. So, All of the times that I've got into where I had some shithead at CBS when I sold the show tell me uh, who gives a fuck about any of these characters, which I think is is the same. I know if I would have shot it, you would have given a shit about these characters. But part of me was and it wasn't a rebellious thing. It was just like I don't enjoy this enough to keep fighting the fight. So with this process, which. Again, it sucks that now we're we're heading towards pretty much exactly a year since I started writing it, which we were moving so fast. It was amazing. I sat down and I wrote. I sent him and, and Dave Perkle, my cinematographer, and a couple other people, pages every day. I think I wrote the script in like 10 days. I took everybody's Thoughts and contributions in. Then I brought uh,
0: another fucking writer in. I got to hear insane. this story off air because I want to know who this person is. I know <laughs> it, it seems like this guy seems like the worst dude. It isn't? is truly
1: the worst thing I've ever experienced in this business in thirty years. I've what never... is it?
0: What? Yeah, what? Like what? What did he do? We I mean, don't know if have a name, but like what? He just was over noted you or just? No, like...
1: I, I couldn't have been more collaborative right. with him. We couldn't have had a greater process and we a press, we had a press release that i had nothing to do with by the way ted was having a press release which a press release for anyone who's in this business and this guy's been that's in the business that's sometimes the 30 best years. part of it but the, but <laughs> no to me it's to, to me it's not to me it's right. an ego trip and right. it has nothing to do with anything the press release had one purpose to maybe Get someone to
2: buy this project. Sure, that's it. So at least to inform the industry that it was happening.
0: Well, that, my whole thing, and uh, sorry about the press release. Is like sometimes you work on so many things and no one gets to see it. So the only thing they get to see is a deadline pull, and they go like, <laughs> and then all, then they, then that's what you can say, like, oh, what do you have? Well, I had that deadline uh, announcement. Uh, I about mean, I
1: still have people ask me questions about deadline announcements from 15 years ago, <laughs> and I try to tell everybody they're meaningless. <laughs> but what happened with this one is. Um, it's so, it's so sick. His name was only listed twice in the press. Wait, release. Wait, that's okay. the issue
0: that he got upset about the press he release. He
1: sends me a nasty message. By the way, it's 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 night. I go to sleep at like nine sure. even before the baby came. I mean, get that. We, right. we were we were in the
2: middle of shooting. By the way, by like, the
1: way, I'm in the middle of we had of we had rewriting the a off. scene, and I'm just yeah. like the last thing I want to talk. I've. I've had so many conversations with him about the press release where he can tell you. I said, I don't give a fuck about the press release. Make sure everybody's happy. Put my name in it, which specifically, as little as possible, because when the Entourage movie came out, they said written by, produced by, directed by, created by a show. I said, I look like a fucking idiot. I don't want my name listed 400 times on this movie. So I just said, Ted handle the press release. Anyway, I got a very nasty message from him. This is one of my oldest friends of 30 years who came on to this project at the last minute, by the way. And again, was, well, we could debate whether he was helpful or not, but he was, he he was helpful to me and I could not have been more gracious about it. And um, then um, he sends this nasty message and I was like, I told Ted, I go, "I, I don't have time to deal with this shit. You know, like this is ridiculous about a press release. So Ted wrote a response back, which is probably immature and was a mistake. And I just sent it back verbatim and I didn't look at it. I get back from him I quit, basically. Whoa, just because he was listed twice in a deadline press release. Yes, by the way, he's the only person listed twice besides me. You <laughs> know, and I and I've worked, and and right. you know, this, these are people I've assembled a crew of friends and yeah, family yeah, yeah. of thirty. And again, years. that's like
0: that's what you don't care about. Like that. I agree with you. Like I mean, that's so all over a press release. All over a press release. But anyway, I still thought, like, okay, this is so ridiculous.
1: Like, okay, we'll deal with it. So I said, Ted, do me a favor, call him up and 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 make yeah. this right. He did not return Ted's phone calls. Then the next day, we're on set, and my AD, who also is my, you know, friend for yeah. 30 years doing the show, it was, it's, actually, I'm sorry, he was executive producer of this show, not AD, um, he gets a message from him, and I said, tell him to come down to set, he will be welcome with open arms, which I still honestly believed like, he'd come back, we'd have a stupid conversation and move on from yeah. this. But he not only did he not, then he's got his girlfriend, you know, throwing me off of projects that I brought to her. Whoa. So it was, it was extremely, I can say this with all sincerity, there is no person in this business that I've ever despised the way I despise him over this situation. And there's not a single thing that I did because by the way, I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. He quit and nothing changed after that. Nothing changed before that. Nothing happened. Then I started getting letters from his lawyer, which is, again, I want to say this to all people out there. When you were an entrepreneur, wait till somebody has some fucking money before you start calling for lawyers. Because, um, we are in this grind for a year now, every day. It's still a grind. And, You know, one of the things I used to tell some people on Entourage who contributed greatly, they would say, oh, how come this and that? And I would say day one is not day two. Day one in this business or any entrepreneurial business is where it all happens. And everyone who comes in, whether it's – uh, what Michael Patrick King, who took mm-hmm. over for Darren Starr. Yeah. Darren Starr is the one who sat down, found that book, and made this happen. Now, Michael Patrick King ran it for into a hugely successful thing, but there is no existence without that. Like Steve Jobs, there is no Apple without him sitting in his garage and doing it. So I think for everybody, the reason the creator credit, which is always a, a word that I feel like it's an uncomfortable word yeah. because so many people are so involved, especially but,
0: in TV. Cause it's such a collaborative medium across the board.
1: Right. But at the same time, while I feel proud to say entourage is my stamp, it's because I sat in a room by myself mm-hmm. when no one gave a flying fuck that I was doing that. And while everyone else was doing other things and, and those are the moments that you have to do to get to the finish line. And that's,
0: why? Well, this is so yeah. funny. Like I, you were, like, I am working on this show right now, and it's a, it's an adaptation of an Israeli show. And the show, you couldn't just make it here, right? And so one of the deal points in it was, well, you won't ever be listed as the creator of the show. It will be the other person. I'm like, well, oh, that's interesting, though, because it's not – I'm not going verbatim. I'm kind of creating a whole new character. It's interesting how people – get very protective of that credit or what they want or how they want to be put in. And I just kind of like stepped away. I I'm still doing it, but I was like, okay, I'm not going to worry about that right now. But it is interesting. Like there's a lot of jockeying for like maybe success too. Like, I mean, when you're doing something like this on this level, like contracts and, and and then it gets awkward because you have to have probably a contract on some level with this guy to be like, no, I didn't. I I went,
1: I went on complete trust, which I was a moron. And I also, by the way, which you tell me who would do this before he ever typed a single letter. Mm-hmm. I said, I'll split the screenplay credit with you. We already had a go show with a finished Whoa. fucking pilot that was based on my life and, and on my life. The reason I did that is because I thought it would be valuable to him at some point and it wasn't going to affect my life. I wasn't giving up the created by credit, but I thought... It, it'll help him, and I don't care because I'm not that precious. And the truth is, if Ted, who contributed as much to the script as he did, or ch- more, in yeah. fact, because we changed the entire fucking thing, or Charlie, wanted a writing credit because they wanted to be writers, I would get it. But I And as I said to him, I go, y- there's nothing for you to get out of a writing credit. It does nothing right. except for, for you to walk around and go, hey, I wrote this, which, again, you didn't. You wrote it when you sat down with a blank right. piece of paper and there was no idea and there were no characters and you created a world and you created something. But I, I did and I can I can really, there's always two sides to a story. There's not here. There's ungrateful, absolute um, elitist attitudes and, and one of the things that bothers me about this town and while I appreciate that I was paid very well as a writer and director, I have crew members who bust their ass and have worked harder. We brought, you know, one of my 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 key grip from entourage on victory the other day. These people work fucking 16-hour days lifting stuff and doing this. They get no credit whatsoever. Nobody's giving them, you know, a strike to help them get yeah. what they need and stuff. So I was offended on it on so many levels, especially since this project was meant to be this incredibly joyous experience, bringing back a host of people that had worked together before and doing it in an incredible way. And the truth is, he's the only person that that absolutely took it and tried to use it for his own purposes as opposed to the team goal. And now that we're sitting here a year later, which I, I still, I would be so shocked if we don't get this out there somewhere, but still the fact that eight months ago I was getting letters from a lawyer and I'm going, what what kind of lunacy is this? Yeah. You know. And it is the pathetic nature of this business. And it is the self-entitled attitude of so many people in this business who've never really figured out how to go grind out something from the get-go and bring everyone in. And again, appreciating the money, which is why I say, when I sell something to a studio, Entourage, as much as I hate hearing someone telling me they don't like something I do, it's their money. I get it. And if I want to go make it on my own, then I should write my own checks and go make it. So
0: anyway. Yeah, and that's well, a bummer because now, Ted, you're producing his next project, right? Who, 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 the, yeah, the other guy? Guy? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. By the way, by I the way. a five-picture yeah, deal. No, that's a... By the way, Ted was going to finance another script that, again, I brought this guy on late on an idea yeah. that was mine and split the script fee dead down the middle, yeah. even though I had already sold it before he ever even was on it. But I, I just, you know— it's it's a shame because you see it so much in this business, and you see people who just don't appreciate anyone or anything. And it's it's you know it's upsetting. It
2: was a real act. Like I the the, the description that I gave Doug, I was like, wow, I have never seen somebody self sabotage so badly in the middle yeah. of of things going well. Like it's but one that's thing like for David for, Caruso for you to style, be like, like this is going down, I'm going to take it down. It was like this is going amazing. I'm gonna. Shit the bed. It was it was a very bizarre. Reaction. A lot of people
0: do that in this world. I feel like you see that every now and then. I was saying like that's David Caruso coming off of NYPD Blue. Like one year on NYPD Blue, he's like, I I want off this show. I want to be yeah. an actor. I want to be a movie yeah. actor now. And it's like, oh, and it's and that worked out the way it worked out instead of staying on a show that's really successful. It's yeah. like
1: now, obviously, we can't quite compare it because you know it was the number one show on television, and right now we're not even on fucking a computer. <laughs> we the number yet, one but, show, but not know, on television. But at all, you know. Remember, there it is. You remember, Ted Ted made. Hats, you yeah. know, ramble on hats, which were awesome. Which you know how much a crew yeah. loves hats yeah. and t-shirts, and you know, Ted paid for them. They, no, we're never getting our money back from those those hats and t-shirts. And what what happened the second the second you pull
2: up in the thing and he's like, "Where's mine?" Well, I, he actually followed me out to the parking lot while I just went to go do something in my car, and he was like, "I I hear there are hats." And I was like, uh, <laughs> okay, I don't know who told you that, but yes, there are hats.
1: <laughs> but, but anyway, it's, it, it, it encapsulates the business yeah. in one story, and yeah. it is, it's disheartening and upsetting um, because 30-year friendship – over, over nothing, like yeah. for nothing. It, it would be one thing if I was like, listen, man, you are, you are, you know, you are not working, you are not getting paid, you are not, we, we didn't even have deals. Everybody worked for pretty much free. Yeah, except yeah, for, yeah. You know,
0: that's the same thing. I mean, that and that's, look, I come up from that business, like I started out at the UCB Theater, which is the Upright Citizens Brigade, and we, like the people I worked with there, we were doing shows, $5 shows to sold out crowds. We weren't making any money, but these are the people that I perform with on stage, and still to this day i love all those people and it's and there was a thing that happened over at that theater where people started getting upset about not getting paid enough but when you're doing a five dollars show and you're trying to keep a theater, there's certain things where you can cut your nose off to spite your face yeah. sometimes, yeah. and that gets to be the worst part. Yeah. Is by the way, if the
1: guy said he had to get paid for whatever, even though I wasn't getting paid, I would have gotten the money.
2: That the whole thing is just it, it's it, did, it definitely did not need to go down the way it went. Down. But yeah. you
1: but you make the point that I know I started out. I made my own short films. Yeah. I begged, borrowed, and stole. I used my credit cards. I did all of that stuff. And until you, you lay your own money on the line, which I was literally about to put two, $250,000 yeah. $250, into this until, until t- <laughs> he's drinking, by the way, he's yeah. chugging a beer, as I said, uh, but you know, I, I was putting my own money on the line right. and I was saying, this is, uh, this is my life because the show yeah. is about my life in this podcast world with my friends that I worked with for 20 years. So, um, Anyway, hopefully you never deal with that. So let's let's get. I, w- I want to hear some about the start sure. of your your career. You because you've done s- so much stuff. So did, yeah, what happens to you? You get into this when you're doing So, young or what? Yeah,
0: when I'm in, I'm going to NYU, uh, and I find this group called the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, and they are this uh, improv group. And they were performing on the fifth floor of like a hardware store, and it was a, a free show to go in, but a dollar to leave. And, you know, you'd go there and, uh, and you'd watch these shows. And it was amazing. You'd see people like uh, Tina Fey and Adam McKay all performing improv like uh, on Sunday nights. And they started teaching and I started taking classes with them. And then that theater just kept on growing and growing. And the, everybody who's come out of that space has been really great. But uh, as that theater grew, I partnered up with uh, Aziz Ansari and Rob Hubel and Jason Wollner, uh, who directed the new Borat movie. And we created a sketch show for MTV and we wrote it and directed it in New York. City. we did two seasons of that. And then I went over to the league for a bit and did that for seven years. And then, uh, then I created my own show for adult swim for a couple of years, for four years and then, uh, veep. And then over to, uh, the show I just did with Don Cheadle, uh, over at Showtime yeah. called uh, Black, Black Monday. Monday. Yeah. so that, been, uh,
1: did, uh, You know, I'm sorry, but did that yeah. already air?
0: It did. We it did three, three years, years of it, yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Why did it? Uh, you... No, don't, don't worry about it. Uh, you know, Showtime, it's hard to get Showtime. It is. Oddly, it is hard to get Showtime. By the way,
1: it is actually hard to get
0: Showtime. I, because I, I order literally there's Showtime no one...
1: anytime, and there's Showtime, and I've ordered Showtime...
0: it. The Showtime app is more expensive than the Netflix app, and I think at that point you have to say, like, there's a problem. Like, there's – okay, I guess if you're a real fan of the tutors, you can have access to that all the time. But I don't it, even, like, even want to say about through. the expense.
1: I've got something, and the only way I can access it is if I yeah. put it on my phone and stream it. When I go to yeah. the app on the actual Apple doesn't TV, it, it doesn't, doesn't work. work. I, you
0: know, we the, the the biggest, I think, issue that I had with that show was – no one had Showtime. All my friends never had Showtime. Like, oh, I don't have that. I don't have it. And then the the weird thing was is that Paramount Plus is Showtime, but because they were car- i mean, this is like <laughs> carriage deals—it's not on Paramount Plus. But now it's a real complicated. But you were happy with the show. I was thrilled with the show. I mean, got to work with like amazing people. Uh, you know, uh, Regina Hall as Don Cheadle, Andrew Rannells, myself, Casey Wilson. Yeah, a- it was an insane, wow. uh, an insane cast. And uh, yeah, I've been lucky with. That kind of stuff. But I started off the same way. Like when I started off in New York City doing these shows at UCB, we were doing a show that was in a converted porn theater because we Mm -hmm. moved from the fifth floor above the uh, the hardware store to a porn theater. And we had to tell people to come see this show. And they didn't know what this was. So we would have a friend. My friend Owen would dress up as Santa Claus. And we'd have everybody – this is like during uh, Christmas time and we'd have uh, people – we give um, like roles of rapping people to people and it's like hit santa and people would like whack santa and then we give them a flyer for a show and that's how we get people to show get to the show right we would name we these yeah you know like it's just like get Can people and you? make like just make them stop and just get a flyer and then so we were just advertising our own shows writing our own shows starring in our own shows and then that grouping of people like went off uh, I mean they're all over the place from you know people who've written giant movies and television shows uh, and and stars and everything. It's been a great that that theater like launched so many amazing careers.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I yeah. mean, I picked the wrong people to partner with because uh, most of the people I've partnered, I don't mean you. Oh. Like, they don't go on to do anything. He <laughs> looked just- right at me when he said that. No, I mean, <laughs> but I mean you in the
0: conversation. But I but I understand this thing and this frustration. But it's like my whole career has been, you create it, you try, you know, and, and trying to enjoy. And I think I've guys I've gotten older. I think I've understood this more too. It's like. Just enjoy the process because yeah. you don't know what the outcome is. You can right. make the best show possible yep. that no one watches. Yeah. And and it doesn't mean, and it doesn't, like, for example, like Black Monday was a show that got great reviews. We did it for three years, but it just was never, like, it just never found its, like, yeah. full audience. Yeah. And it's like, well, what well, what can you do? The show is good. Yeah. The reviews are good. The cast is good. It's like, we just didn't have that. Like, that was all. And, and so I look back on that show. I'm like, well, I wish we could have done it for a little bit longer. I wish more people would have seen it. But whatever. And The League is a show where no one was watching FX. And then we go on Netflix and then the show balloons. And we were on at 1030 and we were starting to get higher ratings in the 10 o'clock lead in. So it's like, and I did a show on Adult Swim that was on at 1215 a.m on Thursday nights that we're getting higher ratings than like Comedy Central, which is a crazy thing. But it's like, you just don't know where it's gonna all net out.
1: Tell me a little bit about The League, which Ted's gonna watch. This is not fully scripted?
0: No, The League is done the same way that Curb uh, is done, like Curb Your Enthusiasm. So the idea is Jeff Schaefer and his wife, Jackie Schaefer, they created it. Jeff was uh, one of the writers on Seinfeld, then went off and uh, created Curb with Larry uh, and did like uh, one of the, with Bruno or Bratt movies but he's, Jeff is amazing and Jeff uh, and Jackie like, could create these like really nice outlines so we'd have like a 12 page outline I wrote a handful of those scripts too and it's oddly harder to write like a script like that yeah you're writing like you have to have enough there that shows structure scenes and jokes and then you're going to put your actors in there and then uh, we kind of craft it on set but we did that for yeah for seven years it was the best people there it was like Nick Kroll John Lejoie, Mark Duplass who you know uh, and Steve Ranazzisi like all these great people we got to make this show together, and it was so do you
1: yeah. like coming in without lines? I mean, do you
0: I did I loved it on that show. and I think that improv is a hard thing to do uh, and to do well. And I think that like a lot of people think that improv is just come in, say whatever you want, and then we're gonna go and we'll fix it and post. And I think the way that uh, that Jeff kind of approached it and it's kind of changed my way of doing it too, is you craft it on set. You can you go back. You don't like just go, we got one take, let's go and we'll figure it out. Like you still are trying to finesse it and make it. Uh, a real scene and I think that like sometimes improv gets a bad rap because it looks improvised it doesn't feel like in the moment or real and so I've worked with great people that also do that like I mean you know uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg like when they direct stuff like they will finesse things and I think that's the difference of just saying a crazy line ad-libbing and improvising around an idea or a scene.
1: And Veep was that improvised? Veep, as no well Veep
0: was not? a lot more structured but Veep was one of those shows that uh, Dave Mandel was on it when I was running – when Dave Mandel was running it. And he's one of the guys that partnered up with Jeff Schaefer. It was Berg Schaefer Mandel. So Jeff went to go make, make The League. Dave went to do Veep. And then um, Alec made Silicon Valley. So like the three – like these three seminal kind of comedies, they all went off and – Good their, group. Yeah. yeah. Not bad. Yeah. And – uh, I don't see the future of that in uh, some of my thanks people. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but, uh, but on that show, it was one of those things where – Improv you were open to beat a line, but they were they had a it was the only show I've ever been on where the writer's room was on set and they would be almost having a writer's room on set to be able to add new lines, add new lines, add new lines. So that that show was never. What do you think of that? It was fun. I like I like working that way. And we're coming off of the league where it was like, all right, how about this? Try this, try this. It's fun for me because I think it also keeps it really alive. Like you're not stuck. You don't get, if something's not working, you don't go, oh, well, we'll figure it out later. It's like, no, if something's not working, let's just break it down right now and then redo it. And I think you were talking about that in the bank scene, uh, you know, in, the, in your pilot. Like yeah. you were saying, like, sometimes you know it's not working. It's not going to get better once you leave. So how can you figure out how to make it work here in the moment? And that to me is... I love it. I mean, yeah. I love, and I, I still improvise. I improvise over at Largo over here, right by you guys here, over at the cornet, and uh, we do our. You know, it's that's my background. My background is that, so I feel comfortable doing that. Right. You know.
1: And all right, let's let's get to the most important. Yeah. You're, you're playing pickleball.
0: Yes. I mean, oh, yes. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, Like yeah, Everyone
1: else, and you actually got CBS primetime.
0: Two hours primetime. The pickleball. Which is special. nuts. Yeah. It was really nuts. Steve, hosted. No, the bear it was called? Pickle. Uh, it's called pickled, and it's a uh, funny or die in comic relief USA. Uh, This is their first foray back into the United States comic relief, because I grew up with the Billy Crystal, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Robin Williams shows. This is their first thing back. And Stephen Colbert wanted to do this Pickleball special. And we got people like Sugar Ray Leonard and Emma Watson from Harry Potter and Will Ferrell and Tickman Taro, myself, uh, my wife, to play Pickleball on TV now I mean hopefully they'll do more of them. I think they should. It's interesting though because there's a weird backlash on pickleball right now. There's a backlash. Tennis people are angry. Well, everybody it seems like well you know they're they're carving over, you know, like they they're they're taking away homeless games. They're doing this. They're doing like, they're, like everything it's like it's like <laughs> Oh, you know, that's would, the worst. I, like, there is like this this idea of like um I feel like sometimes the way people talk about like pickleball is like it's like Heroin. It's like it's in our parks. We don't want it in our parks. Get it out of there. And it's like the kids can't play. Uh, so it's interesting. Like people don't even know what it is. And I think that that special hopefully is again just maybe a, a prime time Does
1: Colbert play. Why was he so interested? in
0: this? Um, I think he just his wife had gotten him a set, and and that was it. And I think Funnier Die. You know, Funnier Die. Funnier Die actually had a great idea. They were like, we want to do this because it's the only sport where anyone can kind of just jump in, yeah. right? Like tennis, baseball, whatever. I mean, I grew up watching like the rock and jock shows and I always loved that. But yeah. it's like, but you can't just put like Sugar Ray Leonard on a basketball court with like Emma Watson. Like here you can have, <laughs> you know, you can have uh, somebody who's in their 60s, somebody who's a, like a younger person. Everybody can just kind of come together. And I think that's a great idea. If I was to see it done in the future again, I think it'd be fun to train people for a little bit and then... Go up and have the matches, like learn the rules of the game, because I don't think in that yeah. special there was that much dinking and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you
1: had McNasty, Matt McNasty yes, was the best. Did he did he help your game at all?
0: Matt was great because I was the only one who really used Matt. I was like, look, we have this amazing pickleball coach out there. Like, I'm gonna, like everyone else is having cocktails and and having apps. I'm like, I was only on the court. It was so hot. And uh, <laughs> hey, you But were
2: out like in
0: in uh, Westlake Village. Sherwood. Yes, yeah, Sherwood. Sherwood yeah. yeah, and uh, and so. You know, I just was like working with him and, you know, he's, he's amazing and a great guy, but also to train with, like, I didn't even know there was a pickleball coach. I didn't know there were people you could hire, you know, and he is obviously like a GQ or Esquire magazine, like the, the pickleball coach of the like stars, you know, and uh, I have to get out to his. You're getting uh, too much airtime, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was great to like, cause one of the things that's hard for me, I mean, this is very pickleball specific, but is hitting like these shots that come at your chest when you're playing at the net. Like, how do you do that? And it's like, well, like like hit 10 balls right at my chest so I can just like learn that and it was it gave me some great tips I, I I tell his tips to everybody that I work with I, I, have love to get out there.
1: I mean I love it because it is. There is a cult-like feeling to it, but everybody joins, you Mm -hmm. know.
0: And anyone who starts to play
1: just becomes obsessed with it because what you said—it does really bring people together. And speaking of those, uh, I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast, but in—in I took an Uber from Miami to Fort Lauderdale. I don't know if we talked about this, but and I get—I get there into like a you know a rundown neighborhood, and there's a basketball court there that looks like nobody's fixed it in twenty-five years. Brand new, eight pickleball courts, like sparkling lights, State of the everything, art. and I'm going, what is going on here? And so you see, whether it's some fucking politician decided yeah. he wants to play pickleball or Stephen Colbert likes yeah. pickleball, it is it it is spreading in a weird
0: way. Well, there's a weird thing. It's like a point of access. I think the reason why there's so many basketball courts around is just because all you need is a ball, right? And then anyone can kind of at least attempt to play basketball on some level. In the same way with pickleball. Like if, yeah. if there's a racket out there you can play, but tennis, you can't just like show up to a tennis court and just expect to play. Right. So I do think that that is really fun. Well, what I was saying yeah.
1: here is they haven't fixed the basketball. Court. Oh, they haven't. It looked oh. like it looked like it was thirty years old, and the pickleball court looked like you know, Wimbledon. You know, and yeah. it's it's it is it is strange, and you are seeing people in every community going, "We need these courts yeah. here." So, but I'm I'm glad you're playing. We'll have to. No, be, it's fun. Have we have a weekly we
0: have a we have a weekly game in our driveway. We've created one in our driveway, and it's amazing when you have a 74 year old guy who came over to our house last week and kicked our asses, <laughs> like you know, and it's like, and he's amazing. like you he, he's. Playing every week on an intense level, but he's a former maybe, tennis player. Maybe
2: like, uh, Paul
0: can introduce you to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. been, didn't move it like he didn't move at all. It was one of those guys you watch. Yeah. It's like it's like that just knew where the ball was at every given point. Well, I, I've been
1: saying I got to find some older people to play with because I play with like the yeah. young, yeah, you can't pros, do that. yeah I'm, I'm getting hurt more and more, and people go, "Oh, you're getting hurt." It's pickleball, and you know, one of the best players in the world is a friend of mine. Tore ACL last week at mm. the nationals, and these injuries are happening but anyway
0: and that yeah that was this was great you got this is great I, mean, okay. I have one more question for you like so now this is my uh as you're working on this and you're trying to sell it and you're you obviously have your scripts written does your mind go to another project yet or are you one of these people that's like i have to be focused until this is seen to its end
1: you know what i've thought about this a lot cuz i think it's not that i ha- i have to be focused till i see it to the end i think that one of the reasons i've done the little amount of work that I've done in in, in my career, because a lot of people, go, why haven't you done forty television shows? Yeah, the pain of the right. of the it just doesn't work for me. Now that's not a good thing, by the way. Right, and if you if you can't handle that, I was lucky enough that I had success pretty early on. I the first short film I ever made sold to Showtime. You, yeah, I mean, like I was twenty years old and made it on a on a shoestring budget. So I, w- I was lucky, and Entourage obviously made me some money, but uh. The torture of what I go through when I'm working, you know, and spending every second in the shower, and I really don't want to do that, you know, and I I know my older kids, you know, they they could feel it then because Entourage was really going then, and I'd be sitting at a party thinking about nothing but what I'm going to write. So I don't have a really middle gear, which I'm trying to find for this one. If this does go forward, I'm going to have to, but I really want to enjoy my 21, 19 year old, and yeah. this new baby right now, but I don't spend all day focused. It's when I go, okay, now I'm writing the script, which I decided to start again last week. That it just becomes all encompassing. I'm in, I'm in the, I'm in the, uh, <laughs> the room giving birth, yeah. and I'm like, all right, so maybe I could uh, use this. Series. So <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't give birth, obviously, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but that's probably one of the reasons that. Uh, I don't do it more, so no, I'm not sitting around going, "Oh, what's the six other projects?" I'm kind of like, which I've been before. This is it. It's right. this or bust, and uh, I'll open up a bagel shop with Chris. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel
2: I'm kind of in yeah. the same ballpark. I, 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 don't really see myself doing anything else until this makes it. And like, would you have I wanna done? Fo- f- I want to focus on it making it because I believe yeah. in it so much.
0: And I think that that you have to kind of see it through. Would you have done anything different? I mean, not not creatively. One but yeah, thing. Yeah. Okay, besides that guy, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, uh,
2: you know, Doug and I. There's a lot of things that you don't know until you've gone through it, mm-hmm. and and you you can't know uh, without going through it. We struggled at the beginning of this project of how we were going to produce it. We were like, are we doing a half an hour? Should we film two episodes? Should we try to make a three episode? Yeah, short move, you know, hour and a half movie. We should have. That's right. What I, that's what I was kind of pushing for. The only the only regret that I think I have with it is we believe, and by the way, there's no guarantee that this is true, but we believe that if we did a 90, you know, call it 90 or 100 minute uh sort of three episode first right. pilot, that we could have sold that fairly simply as a movie, right? A, sta- a standalone movie. Uh, and then it could have led to a series after that. But we got a lot of input from a lot of people that are very smart and capable people and experienced people in this industry. they were like, look, nothing's going to happen at 96 minutes that isn't going to happen in the first 26. Mm. Like, you're doing an, a pilot. So making it and spending way more money than right. you are already spending and doing that, They they didn't look at it and go, Oh, I see a huge benefit. I think we look at it in hindsight and say, I think if we would have made that ninety-six minute, you know, sh- short independent movie, uh, I would not even short, just independent movie, it would have been.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I have actually zero doubt. If we did a ninety-minute movie and everybody, if the actors and the crew were willing to work for the rates they were working yeah. for, which would have added another twenty days, so I don't know if they would have. That was right. one of the things we talked about and whether they would all be available, but. Um, There's no way we don't sell this as an independent movie quickly. Right, yeah. But I don't know if that leads to a series easier or not because it still leads back to the same thing. That network has to say we want to spend the next four or five years, hopefully, on this thing. So, yeah. But that's it's uh, but it's still not a regret. I couldn't be happier with the pilot. And my uh-huh. only regret is that we wasted time on some on some people representing it. That's really my only well, regret.
0: I'll also say too, what's so great about this podcast is you open up a part of the business that I think a lot of people don't get a chance to see, which is I think you know, people do see the deadline announcements and they don't see like all the kind of bullshit that goes on in between, like the way that you don't get a call back, or the way the business shuts down, you know, from July to September and then from, uh, you know, November through January. It's like and these moments of waiting, sometimes you see something that's on TV. I remember like uh, Game of Thrones was like in a drawer, like Mad Men was in a drawer, like, you know, these things like they and then all of a sudden they come out and they're like, oh, well, this is great. This must have been one, two, three. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't. Well, think happen. about like,
1: that. HBO passed on Mad Men from the top writer. They're, they're the second in charge of Sopranos. He writes that script, which oh, I Matt, be- Matt
2: was on Sopranos?
1: Yeah. He was the top yeah. writer
0: on Sopranos. And I believe
1: uh, I, I believe that Mad Men is the best pilot ever made along with Sopranos. I think those are the two best drama pilots I've ever seen,
0: in my opinion. Well, you know, it's, it's so to bring it full circle, the we took a few meetings after Sundance, and I think the big problem that we had was there was a show on TV that had failed. And kind of like broadly fa- like you know, people knew it was a failure. And when I met with HBO, they're like, we really want to do this show. She's like, but can you pitch me a billboard that looks different than the <laughs> billboard of that show that was a giant failure? Because it really did encapsulate. Yeah. And, and which, sh- which show was the giant failure? I can't. I don't want to say it, but I'll tell you off <laughs> air. <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, but it was, uh, but that was, that was a really interesting thing to come down to that. Like, because in her mind, she's great. One of the people over at HBO that I know, she like, it all just came down to that, like, what can I show yeah. to people so they yeah. don't think it's this other thing right. that they already don't like? <laughs> right. And uh and that was and that's what it you know came down. Now whether or not that's a line or maybe it is, but it is that fickle. Yeah. Like, you know, I just we just happen to be behind something right. that didn't we didn't work, even though this is a very different thing and, and
1: right, right moment, you know, yeah. Mad Men goes
0: and then they want nine shows that sort of look like Mad Men. Yeah. Breaking but, Bad didn't sell to yeah. any network and AMC wasn't a premier destination for anyone. Right. And now it became like, oh, that's the that, you know, it's like it. No one knows. And that's the other part of it, too. No one knows. Yeah. I, I
2: that's I think that's the most sort of telling thing about this industry is that the people who are making the decisions. They themselves don't know whether what they're choosing is going to work, whether it's not going to work. The thing that they pass on forty times already, that somebody revives and is like, "Oh, that's the biggest hit on television." Oh yeah,
0: and, and by the way, that manager who you know reached to you, reached out to you out of the blue. If this show sells and is a hit. They'll be saying, "Oh, I helped them get that whole thing. Oh, I course. got that set yeah, up." Course. And then there'll be, of course, a lawsuit announcement and deadline from that <laughs> other guy who's like, "That was my idea. <laughs> I wrote can't, that scene." Can't wait to hear <laughs> call so.
1: Anyway, that wraps up right. another episode, and uh, we're getting towards New Year's, but something's
2: coming. Try and something's get some fun. sleep.
0: <laughs> He's doing great. The aura ring is. Look yeah, at my it, aura right, ring look is really making it happen. <laughs> Thanks.